Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. The last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the body of Christ, focusing upon the body of Christ and the reasons that we gather and, and demonstrating and walking that out. And tonight, we're going to look at, we're going to emphasize the head, not the body. Let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, please. You know, each one of the epistles was written to a specific person or group of people for specific reasons. And the book of Colossians was written to refute specific heresy that was creeping into the church. There were people who were putting other things in front of Christ. And they were getting caught up in ceremonialism and strict rules about food and drink and religious festivities and which day was okay to worship and not. And and circumcision and all those kinds of things. They were also getting into asceticism and just a lot of, you know, self-denial, beat yourself, you'll feel better kind of a thing. And they also got into angel worship. They were also um, overboard with visions to the point to where Christ was being depreciated. You know, these other things were being elevated over and above Christ. And they also had an emphasis upon secret knowledge. It was the, an early form of Gnosticism. And then they had a reliance upon human wisdom and tradition. And so Paul is aware of all these problems because the church at Colossae was not one that um, Paul founded. It was founded by Epaphras. And there was a mix of Jewish and Gentile people. And because of that, you had a lot of mix of belief systems that were getting in there. And so the reason that he wrote, uh, wrote this book was to deal with the heresy that was creeping in. And he did so by exalting the superiority of Christ Jesus. And you know what? That's what this whole thing about tonight is, the preeminence of Christ. You know, right now we're, we're living in times to where, you know, we believe in signs and wonders and miracles and angels and all these things. But you know what? In all things, Jesus needs to have the preeminence. And so all these things are secondary, way secondary, you know. And sometimes people are getting so caught up into the things that God is doing that they have overshot and they've not seen that he's got to be our central attention not all the stuff that's going on, you know. And so we've got to have things in their proper place. So let's start with Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And I learned that grace to you is what he says to Gentiles and peace is what he says to the Jews. That's because traditional uh, greetings that people were familiar with. Well, even today, you know, Jewish people say shalom, which is peace, right? Uh, verse 3, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Do you know, it's the, the faith and love and hope are products of the gospel. This is something that comes into, into every believer's life. When we have had the good news of the gospel come in, what is going to be the marks of that in our life is going to be faith, and it's going to be love for other people and hope that's laid up for us. And it says, Of which you've previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bronze servant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us 
of your love and the Spirit. So Paul is opening up here with thanksgiving and also with prayer. And he's, and he's talking to about the, the impact that the Gospels had upon them. It's produced faith, love, and hope. And he says that it's the word of truth. And this is very important because of the heresy that's coming in. So it's like we've got to have true and accurate doctrine. You know, we can't, we've, we've got to have Jesus Christ exalted and the truth being exalted. And he says that the truth has come to them, it's gone around the world, and it's bearing fruit. You know, that when the truth is, the Bible says, you know, Jesus taught that the word is like a seed that goes into us. You know, that word, if it begins to take root within us, it begins to bear fruit, it begins to change our lives. Isn't that true? It's like, and it's interesting because this is a lifelong process of the word of God producing in our lives. And, and I was thinking about that, about the situation that I mentioned a few moments ago. When we prayed about the situation, you know, the fruit of that was faith knows that God heard and God's doing something about it, and then we had a result. That's wonderful. You know, you can have faith, you can have hope, because, hey, I, I have someone I can cry out to. God's given me promises. He's going to come through for me. Amen? And so the Word of God is to bear fruit and it's to grow. There's to be an increase in our lives and also in the, in the evidence that Christ is alive inside, inside of us. The Word of God can be heard and understood, and part of it is the grace of God in truth. And also this passage shows us that we learn the Word of God from other people. You know, we do need other people in our lives, not just us sitting down and reading the Bible ourselves and getting a revelation, but we also need other people who will instruct us. And it's even like when we come together, we can have prophetic word and we can instruct one another. And even song, like we've had last week and tonight, prophetic song that gives us instruction and helps us to move forward. And it's bearing fruit in our lives. So let's look at verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, this is a specific prayer that he is praying for the Colossians because he knows this heresy is coming in. So that's why he is praying these specific things. These people need to have a knowledge of what God's will is so they can, their lifestyle is going to be one that brings honor and glory to the Lord, one that is pleasing to him, you know. And they'll bear fruit and increase in knowledge. It's a combination of knowing God and his will and then living it out. This is a lifestyle that's seeking to be fully pleasing to the Lord. You know, not just something, well, I go to church on weekends and I leave it right there. No, this is something that permeates every part of our daily existence. Because the Word of God doesn't just, doesn't just get planted and grow in us on the weekends, right? It gets planted in us maybe along the weekends, but it's flourishing and growing all throughout the week. And so it's, you know, the Holy Spirit reminds us of the things that we have heard and the things that we have read as to cause us to you know, be obedient to that word and so that we're bearing fruit in every part of our lives. And then we do good works. I mean, how many times it's because of the scripture that we're prompted. Well, the scripture reminds me, you know, honor your mothers and father. The scripture reminds me to show kindness to all people. The scripture reminds me of things and so then I can do good works based upon what the Holy Spirit's revealing to me. Let's look in verse 11. Strengthen with all power according to his glorious might 
for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. You know, we're not saved by our own righteousness, but we're saved in Christ. And now we are in his kingdom. We're not going to be in his kingdom. We are now in his kingdom. And because the Colossians were getting over into asceticism, they were getting over into, well, if I just self-denial and fasting and all this kind of stuff, then God will be pleased with me. No, God's already qualified us. Aren't you glad you're already qualified? Hallelujah. Already qualified. Already qualified. Already been transferred. You see, our, our salvation is in Christ. Now, more and more I keep thinking about salvation really is, is of the Lord. It's really of the Lord. You know, we respond to it. We're obedient, what God instructs us to do. But, you know, he gives us the grace to even obey him, to even come through. And when it comes down to it, you know, the, you know in the book of Revelation, it says, even the elders cast their crowns towards the Lord. Because you know what? They realize we're nothing without the Lord. Any good thing that we think we've done or accomplished is like big deal. It was him working in us anyway. It was his idea, his power, and he even gave us the ability to say, okay, Lord, yes. I mean, he did the whole thing. So what, what part do we have to get any glory and to get any honor? You know? You, know, you know, it's like, folks, you know, some of those prophecies you got, where they tell you how wonderful you are, they tell you how you're just so special and God loves you best, all that kind of stuff. Offer those to the Lord. Because if it wasn't for him, you'd have nothing, nothing good about you, right? The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from a Father who is in heaven. Amen. So anytime we can see any, any bit of kindness, any bit of power, any bit of forgiveness, anything within us, hey, it's all about the Lord anyhow. That's where it all came from. Every good thing has come from him. Hallelujah. The next verses, actually the next, uh, the next several verses are actually a hymn that the early church used to sing. Verse 15, we're going to look at this slowly. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. The Bible says in Hebrews 1, 3, He is the radiance of His glory, the exact representation of His nature, and upholds all things by the word of His power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. He is the image of the invisible God. It also says he is the firstborn of all creation. To be firstborn speaks of his position in creation. It does not mean that he was created first. It means his position is one of firstborn over all creation. We understand that in Bible times, the firstborn that came into a family had more rights and privileges than the other children. And so the firstborn would get a double inheritance. And so what the, what the scripture is saying, that Jesus has, is the firstborn of all creation. In everything, in, in every, every throne, every power, every principality, every other thing of God, I mean, every position, it is all dwarfed by his because his is the firstborn position of all creation. 
In verse 16 it says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus Christ is the creator of all the heavens. Ever all the earth, everything that's visible, invisible, everything, including all the angels. And so that's why we can't get over into worship of angels, because he created all of angels, right? You know, it's wonderful to see angels upon the occasion that, that we do, but, you know, we really have to watch out even seeing angels, because a lot of times people have gotten off. They've gotten much more fascinated and interested in what the angel did or what the angel said instead of what the Lord Jesus has said or done, you know? And I still don't even quite understand all that stuff. Uh, you know how, I mean, God will talk to us directly, but he also has angels to send messages. And sometimes I'm like, why? I don't know. But then there's something else that I've read before in the Bible I didn't understand either. It's when God would tell somebody, okay, meet me over so-and-so because I'm going to talk to you there. You're talking to me now. <laughs> why? I don't know all that. I, I don't understand all that, <laughs> but God has created angels, and he does, and sometimes he lets us see them, and they do, you know, bring messages and do things and all, but when it comes down to it, you know, he, Jesus Christ gets preeminence. Um, Sarah was telling me about a, was, uh, she had seen on a video, the guy was talking about that he sees angels uh, from time to time, and that the guy had begun, I mean, he had learned to test the angels and find out where they were from God or not. And so his favorite way of testing the angels was, tell me about Jesus. And if they said, oh, what do you want to know? He's wonderful. Then they knew that was from God. If they said, oh, let's don't talk about that now. Uh, you don't need to know that. Then he would know that angel was not sent from God. Isn't that interesting? So if you see an angel and he's talking to you, test him. Tell me about Jesus. You know? Because see, see, angels... Angels from God are wanting, I mean, they'll want to give honor and glory to the Lord Jesus. Amen. And even, you know, sometimes people have been questioning, well, will an angel come and, and tell you how special and wonderful you are? Did an angel come to Gideon and tell him, hey, mighty man of valor, right? Did an angel come to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and say, you are blessed among all women, you're highly favored? Yeah, sometimes angels will come and they will tell you, you know, you're, you're pretty wonderful. But you know what? Because from heaven's perspective, all of us are pretty wonderful because we're loved completely by Almighty God, you know? So, so it, you know, God doesn't have, you know, favorites. We're all his favorites. You know? So he says, you know, you're, you're a highly favored woman. You're a mighty man of war. God just loves you. It's like, yeah, and he loves all everybody, everybody else too in the room, right? And that's fine, but remember, all those crowns, all those accolades, we don't keep them. We don't keep them. We give them to the Lord. And we're not going to fall over into worship of angels and stuff. You know, that's why Paul got the, um, the thorn in the flesh, because of all the revelations he was having, to keep him from getting puffed up. Because sometimes people do. And so some of the people who are having some of the most amazing and powerful spiritual encounters are having an equal um, in direct proportion, they are having something negative going on in their life to keep them grounded, to keep them from getting puffed up. So, hmm. So, he is the creator of all things, all powers, all principalities. 
and he's in charge. Why? Because he made it. Right? <laughs> he makes it, he gets to be in charge. Right? You make little children, you get to be in charge of those little children, right? <laughs> All right? He's in charge because he made it. Verse 17, he is before all things. He is, notice the present tense, he is. He always has been, he is now, he always will be. He is, always. And he is before all things. He existed before everything else. He has the first place, but he was also there before anything else was ever created. And in him all things hold together. All things owe their existence and their sustenance to him. The reason, you know, when they have done some studies and they, they have determined that there is really vast distances between the molecules, between the atoms, there's really, comparatively speaking, huge distances there. And they're like, why did they stick together? You know, why are, why are the galaxies sticking together? Why are things holding together? Well, it says because by him, he holds all things by the power of his word. He's holding everything together. You know, I've heard it said that if your Bible's falling apart, your life probably isn't. Because if our Bibles, are, if we are delving into the word of God, and we're eating that word, and it's nourishing up and, fill, and filling us up, it's going to help us even that our lives are going to be held together. And many of us, we've been through some rough times this past year where we felt like things were falling apart, haven't we? Yes, yes, we have. But what's our comfort when things are falling apart? You go back to the scriptures. Go back to the Lord's presence because he holds things together. And there have been times I have said to him, Lord, you've got to hold these things together. I can't hold them together. I'm trusting that you hold all things together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 18, he is the head of the body of the church. He is the head, that is, he is the source of life. We've got to hold fast to the head, hold fast that life source. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Jesus proved that he had the dominance over death by being raised from the dead. You know, death could not hold him, hallelujah. He was the first person that not was rose from the dead because Jesus raised a few himself from the dead, right? He wasn't the first one to be raised from the dead, but he was the first one that was raised with a glorified body, one that could walk through walls, that sort of thing, ascend up to heaven, you know. So he demonstrated that death had no more power over him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep. Hallelujah. He goes first. He's the firstborn of many brethren. And it says here in the rest of verse 18, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. The King James says that in all things he might have the preeminence. I love that phrase. That in all things Jesus has the preeminence. This word first place or preeminence comes from a Greek word, proteuo, which I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's what it looks like, P-R-O-T-E-U-O. It means to be first in rank and influence. It means preeminence, supremacy, <coughs> having paramount rank, dignity, or importance, the highest in rank or authority, the highest in degree, in degree or quality. You know that he's got the first place, the absolute top tier first place. That means there is nothing that is out from under his control. There is nothing, nobody, that is not out from under his control. You know that 
The Bible says in Philippians 2, 9, For this reason also that God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is preeminent. He is over and above everything, and therefore he is deserving of worship. Is that right? He is deserving of worship. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. All. So if he's got all authority, how much is left over for anybody else? None. He's got all authority and all power. You know, that's a really comforting thought. Because when it looks, when it looks like you're in a place of struggle and battle and difficulty, we can go back to Jesus. You have all authority on heaven and earth, and your name is above every name. And we can enter into a place of worship because he's loved us with an everlasting love. Verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness or the completeness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Since he is the full and the complete God, who is also the creator, only he could reconcile all things to himself. He's the only one that was possible to do it. Hallelujah. Everything reconciled, whether things in heaven, things on earth, he was able to reconcile it to himself, and he did that by shedding his own blood on the cross. You know, it would have had to have been. There was no one else. There was no one else who was worthy, no one else who was able, but he alone. Hallelujah. And because he's in charge, because he made it. And he is also the author of our salvation. Amen. Mm -hmm. Verse 21. So folks, having seen these things, if we look back over this, this passage of Scripture, this hymn, and we see, and we see from verse um, 15 that he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's the creator. He's before all things. All things hold together. He's the head, the beginning, the firstborn. He has the preeminence. All the fullness of God is in him. Then our response... What is our response to that? Our response to him. He's the one that holds everything together, includes our lives. He's the one that gives us our very breath. He's the one who sustains us, that keeps us going. He is the one who heals us and delivers us. So what's our response? Let's look at verse 21. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet now he, he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. He has done everything to bring us to a place to where we would have that clear entry into his presence. You know that Jesus has, been, Jesus has created us, and we have higher rank even than that of angels, right? We have created a little lower in the natural realm, but our, the redeemed sons and daughters of God have a higher position you know, angels are servants of God. Jesus said, I've not called you servants, I've called you friends. We are the family of God. It's a higher rank. And the Lord Jesus has done this to bring us holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And look what verse, verse 23 says, If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Because Jesus has paid the price, he can present us as holy and blameless and above reproach 
if. See, he's done his part. Here's the if part. Our part is we continue in the faith. We continue to believe. We continue to be faithful. We are stable and steadfast. We work to have our lives built upon that solid rock that when the winds of adversity and change come, that we work to build that stability in our lives. You know, I was speaking to someone the other day who was telling me that um, they had met someone who was highly prophetic, and, uh, but this person was living in a homeless shelter. And they were telling me, well, you know, I've been, you know, I think the guy's been pretty accurate. And I said, let me tell you. I says, I understand that the gifts and calling of God without repentance, and there are numerous people in all kinds of places in life that they've got prophetic gifts and power and ability and stuff. But you need to listen to somebody whose life is stable. You know, it's not just the gift. It's the fruit of the life. There's got to be a stability in the life. Not that your life has got to be perfect, but there needs to be a consistency, remaining faithful, steadfast in the things of God. Right? Amen. And it's like, don't, and he says here, not to be moved away. Don't shift away from the hope of the gospel. You can't shipwreck your faith. You can't throw away your hope and trust in God. You don't move away from that. It's remain faithful. Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not worthy of the kingdom, right? So we're going to stay focused. Our, he has done all of this. Our job is stay in faith and stay in him. It's just keep ourselves in the love of God, right? Keep ourselves there. Remember what you're living for, what your purpose is. You know, these things, daily distractions, sometimes we get all sidetracked. Well, you know, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do the other. You know, at the end of your life, what do you want to say on your tombstone? Well, he worked hard. You know, God puts you on the earth more than just to work hard, right? I wanted, you know, I wanted to say something like, she reminded me of Jesus, you know? Or I saw Jesus in her eyes. Or she loved. Something like that that indicates there was a life flow of connection between us and the Lord. Amen. What we're here, folks, is to give him the preeminence and to bring glory and honor to his name. And it is wonderful, all the things that he does, the signs and the wonders and the healings and the deliverances and all those things. But you know, the truth of it is, there's a lot of people in the crowds that followed Jesus because of the bread and the fishes, that followed him because of the miracles, the healings, the signs. And you know what? That when he stopped doing those things, they turned on him. You know, and there are people, honestly, I get a little concerned about some people who are always running off to conferences, always running here, always running there, got to get another healing, got to get another deliverance. And I was like, are you going after the signs and wonders instead of going after the Lord? You know, there, there is a balance in all these things. Signs and wonders, and these things all have their place, but not at the expense of obedience to the Lord. You know, I asked the Lord if he wanted me to go to one or two of these things are going. And the Lord reminded me of the scripture where Jesus said, many will say, lo, here is Christ. Lo, there is Christ. But don't go there. That was the scripture the Lord spoke to me. So I felt like that for me, that was my answer. That at this season in my life, and y'all know I go to conferences from time to time, but this season in my life that I felt like God was like, not right now. I'm like, okay. Because what I really, I really think is primary 
is this way, is this way, you know? Yes, God can use men and women. They can teach, instruct, pray for, whatever. But this is primary, and this has got to be where the primary life flow comes. My life flow has got to be this way, not this way. Because if our life flow is vertical, it's coming from him. The Bible says the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. This is going to help me out this way, right? But if this gets messed up, my relationship with God, if that gets a little, you know, weak, then I'm going to not have the strength I need or the wisdom or anything to deal with the things, the rest of the things in my life or even with other people. And so when you and I are facing the challenges in this realm, it's always an indicator. That means we've got to get a hold of heaven. We've got to get a hold of God. We don't necessarily need to get a hold of another prophecy. You know, we don't necessarily need to have hands laid on us, but we do need to have this thing opened up. And sometimes, just as I was saying about Job before, Sometimes it is a very is a place of dryness. It's a place of I don't get it. But you know what? It's like I was teaching you before. Position yourself for an encounter. Just position yourself there. Whether you get one or not, put yourself in that environment. You know, I was um, I was at the soaking website the other day, and which I really enjoy. The guy has updated it, soaking.net, and. They have you can choose between some with vocals and some with all instrumental. I usually go with just the instrumental, and I like to have it on when I'm I'm studying and different things. And and um, some people have put some comments there that you can read. And this one gal said, you know, I don't even know what soaking is. What's that about? And the guy who um, whose site it is got on and he said, basically, you sit in God's presence. You let the music speak to you. And if it speaks to you, it does. You know, if God uses this to impart something to you, it does. It's just you put yourself there, you know, and that's it. I think so many times, you know, when we, we've gone around, well, I'm not getting anything. My devotions are kind of dry. It's not working. You know what? Just put yourself there, you know, just like I'm sure everybody doesn't feel thrilled about, you know, going to the work, going to work, going to the dentist or going to whatever else all the time. But you put yourself there, Right. And if you're just for a short time, God, I need you, so I'm going to put myself here and worship you and declare that you had the preeminence, that you're above all things. Amen. Amen. So to keep in faith, to be stable, to be steadfast, don't move away from the hope of the gospel. It's been proclaimed in all creation. It's being proclaimed by changed lives and by believers who are changing the world. It says Paul, I mean, the, Paul was able to proclaim the gospel because he'd had an encounter with the Lord. Isn't that right? Amen. Verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do share my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but now has been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Folks, mystery in the Bible sense is not secret knowledge just available for a few, but it is a revelation of divine truth. It's openly proclaimed. You know, I'm a kind of person where, you know, I don't, I don't like it when I hear somebody say, well, God told me something I can't tell you. I don't like that. I, 
It, to me, it's, it's rude manipulative. You know, I don't like that. It's like if God's told you something, let's hear about it. Let's not have little secrets about these things, you know. What? What do we, you know, what is God saying? And, and he says, the glory of this mystery is Christ is in you, the hope of glory. How awesome. How awesome. Verse 28, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works in me. We proclaim him. You know, Paul said he preached Christ and him crucified. And everything that is preached, everything that is taught, everything that is studied, it needs to come back to the centrality of Jesus Christ. Even when we study things like prophecy or we study things like you know, the kingdom or dreams or anything, any other topic that's in the scripture, when it comes down to it, the bottom line of it is Jesus Christ being lifted up and glorified. Does he have the centrality? And even when you're receiving your prophetic words, you know, think about it. That word where they told you this wonderful stuff, does it magnify the Lord? Does it, who's getting the glory here? And if it is seem like it's doing a lot of, you know, comfort and building you up, folks, it's like perfume, right? You smell it, but you don't swallow it. You take it real closely. You say, this, I know God, every good thing within me is because of what you are doing. So I give you praise and honor and glory for it. Hallelujah. I'd like for us to pray right now, please. Hallelujah. Lord God, I want to thank you for the book of Colossians. I want to thank you, Lord, for all the teaching that we've heard about the body of Christ, that we're members of the body, we're here to minister to one another, and we're here to build each other up and to see healing and deliverance and signs and wonders, and we praise you for all those things. But I thank you, Lord God, for the book of Colossians that reminds us of the preeminence of Christ. Hallelujah. For, Lord Jesus, you are the head. You are above only. You are the head, and we are the members of the body. And the body does not exalt itself or any part of itself above the head. So, Lord God, I give thanks to you. I give thanks to you, Father God, for these people. Lord, I pray. I pray for all of our people, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the faith that they have in Christ Jesus, for the love they have for all the saints, and for the hope that's laid up for us all in heaven. Father God, I ask that we would be filled with your knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That we would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That we would please you in all respects. That we would bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. That we would be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might. That we would attain to all steadfastness and patience, joyfully giving thanks to you, Father. You have qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. God, we thank you for qualifying us. We didn't qualify ourselves, but you have qualified us. You have given us that ability, and you have given us that inheritance in Christ Jesus. Lord God, you have given us that inheritance, and you have rescued us. We're no longer under the, under the domain of darkness, but you've already transferred us, and we are now in your kingdom. Hallelujah. And we have redemption, and we have the forgiveness of sins. Lord Jesus, you are the image of the invisible God. You are the firstborn of all creation. For by you all things were created both in heavens and in earth. On visible and invisible, thrones and dominions, 
rulers, authorities, all things were created by you and for you. You are before all things, and in you all things hold together. Hallelujah. You're the head of the body of the church. You are the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. And that you, Lord God, you have first place in everything. That in you would have the preeminence. Lord Jesus, that you would have the preeminence in everything. That, Lord, that we would place you as the preeminence in our lives. That, Lord God, that we do not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And, Lord, for every good thing and every mercy that you render towards us, that, Lord God, we give that back to you in praise. And that, Lord God, that you have the preeminence. And that, Lord, that when men and women and children, and when they tell us they love us and they seek to honor us and bless us, that, Lord God, we would take those trophies and we would return them back to you from where they came. And, Lord Jesus, I ask, Lord, that we would always see you first, above every miracle, above every provision, above every healing, above every good thing, every blessing that you're providing for us, that, Lord God, we not get so fascinated with the gifts that we don't look straight into the eyes of the giver. Hallelujah. We would see you, Lord Jesus, and see your hand of mercy, but also, Lord God, we want to see your face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, it was your good pleasure for all fullness to dwell in Christ and through him to reconcile all things to himself, things in heaven, things in earth. And even though we were formerly alienated and we were hostile in our minds, Lord, we were engaged in evil deeds, yet you have reconciled us in your body through death in order that you might present us before you as holy and blameless and, and beyond reproach. And Lord God, that's what we want. We want to be presented before you holy, washed clean in the blood of Jesus, blameless with a clear conscience, Lord God, a clear heart above and beyond reproach that, Lord God, that there is none that can speak evil of us for anything in our lives, not any words, not any attitudes, not any behavior, in no way, that, Lord God, our lives are beyond reproach for your honor and glory. And, God, that's how we want to be presented before you. Lord God, I pray for all of us that we would continue in the faith, that we would be firmly established and steadfast. Lord God, that each one of us would not move away from the hope of the gospel that we've heard and that was proclaimed in all, in all creation under heaven. Lord God, that we would remain faithful to the things that we've heard. Holy Spirit, I ask, Lord, that you would remind us of what we've heard. Put us in remembrance, even in our dreams. Lord, even as we're just going about our daily lives, that the scripture begin to bubble up. Holy Spirit, you said you'd lead us into all truth. And Lord, our hearts are that we want to be led into truth. We want to be led out of any side paths of distraction or side paths of, of deception. We want to be led into all truth, Lord God. Hallelujah. Lead us, Lord God, into all truth. Lord, I also pray again for all of us, Lord God, that we would pass our test. That, Lord, in every season, that we begin to understand what you're after, that we may give it to you. In every season, Lord God, that we remain in faith and obedience to the word. In every season, Lord God, we seek to have our hearts soft and humble before you. And every season, Lord God, we seek to live at peace with all men and to walk in faith, Lord God, and not to shrink back in fear, but to press in, Lord, and give praise and honor and glory to you, for you are faithful. Father, we may pass our test, Lord God, 
Pass our test, Lord God, that you may be glorified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord God, I just thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing within us. I thank you, Lord God, that you are breaking off bondages. You're breaking off mindsets. You're breaking off limitations. You're breaking off fears. You're breaking off fear of man. You're breaking off all kinds of religious things. You're breaking off things off of us. And, Lord, we are being changed and transformed by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. And I ask, Lord God, that you make us wise and discerning and give us eyes to see and perceive and understand uh, what is wisdom, what is the correct steps to take, and what is that you're requiring and what you're doing in our lives. That you may be glorified. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.